Sorry about that. We got disconnected somehow. So you were saying something about yeah. the power and everything funding what? Uh, let's see. We've got power bills. We've got uh, gas bills. All the different bills. Did you hear that stuff? So everything, everybody, everything everybody's paying every month. There is opportunity here to actually be able to tell what what's going to happen with your money and it's going to be youth programs it's going to be prison programs but it's, we're going to get our homeless off the street and on their feet and the number right now i heard was 4.5 million and that's unacceptable it is you know, Arizona, here in Arizona, the numbers went up by 60% in the homeless population. And yeah. the, the state got, the, the city of Tucson got a $48 million grant. Last year, they got more than that. And, you know, the numbers went up. Really? Yeah, 60%. Well, I, uh, I just, I also got a partnership going with some other charities that have a connection with a Hughes investment group and mm. I gave them Tucson zip codes to purchase property for us to start our project there. That would be beautiful man. So, I've been started here for a long time and you know it's unfortunate because nobody wants to join in. I, I do understand. Um, the difference is is you can make a difference with a $0 donation and be part of the change. Right, and that's what people don't understand. Well, it's time to educate them. Yes, sir. You know, whatever happened to liberty being a lifestyle of choice? Did we drop again, Chris? Chris, you there? Yeah, I'm here. My phone, okay. my phone acted stupid or something. I don't know. Yeah, so whatever happened to liberty or lifestyle of choice, you know, free persecution from government officials? I thought everybody had their choice. Here, here's, here's where the problem is, and this is how we can change it. It's we the people, and we're the ones that vote them in. We're the ones that put them where they're at. But we don't have to let them make all the decisions. We can tell them what to do. And they have to do what we want them to do. So I'm trying to get everybody on one common goal. We have a television series that'll be uh, coming out soon. We're looking for collaboration across the country. Uh, I need help there in Tucson. um, Because it's going to be called One Common Goal. Sounds good. And if we can all do this one thing we will fix so many problems and we're going to create a support system for rebuilding of natural disasters and building them green Uh, people have a choice now so like when I'm paying my power bill I'm paying it through a third party uh, and then it's going to the power company and Go ahead. Chris, I lost you again. Chris? We lost you, buddy. 
you there? I just, I just, there we go. I just saved one. I just saved my friend uh, like forty-seven percent on his electric bill, and now, oh, wow. now we're getting twenty percent of his bill. So, uh, cool. But another guy, it wasn't saving him forty-seven percent, but it did save him ten percent. Well, it saved him ten, and now twenty is getting donated to us. So beautiful. To me, this is a wonderful thing. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is just, awesome. It's, it's something I've never heard of before, and they come at me with it. And um, and it took them a week to come back at me. Uh, but, you know, I, if any funding I've got, it goes toward helping. Uh, in the in the program we just got two and a half acres here in Bloomington, mm. Illinois and we're going to start building transitional housing here uh, I've got the University of Munich uh, working on the plan for it and they're the they have a, a program there called Green City Planning uh-huh. they're they're doing and they've never they've never designed anything for the United States before so this will be the first thing that they do, but this is the international collaboration I got. Why? So, so, Chris, what would you think if I said that you could build tiny homes for free? Hello? Did we lose you? I think we lost you again, Chris. Your signal uh, cut. Uh, uh, yeah, we're, I'm here. Okay, so uh, if I told you we could build it for free, I mean, as far as the structure-wise goes. Uh, well, for one, is it creating a job doing it? Yes. That's a good thing. Okay. Because so I'm, if you, I'm if you, definitely... Oh, there you go. Okay, got you. Are you there? What? Yeah, I'm here. So, uh, the do like a brush and bulky pickup. Okay, so every year, these cities across America throw away thousands of dollars of usable building materials. It would take gas money to transport those building materials to an undisclosed site and drop them off to build tiny homes. Gas money. On something they're picking up anyway. If they, if they would separate it, I could, I could understand that. You know, if you were picking it up as gas money going to somewhere and picking up something that's been separated, but they also, yeah. somebody's going to have to separate it. So uh, you do it. So instead of doing it all at once, say usable building materials pick up that you want to throw away, that would still work. If you got a hot tub that you want to throw away, you could take the materials out of that. Time the screen blacks out. You guys lose me for a second. Um, if, uh, what if, what if you were able to, to make a, a machine that actually it already is made that, that makes material so fast, you ain't got to worry about going anywhere and picking it up. You just got to worry about where you're taking it. Right. It makes, it makes 120 feet of material a minute. Nice. Okay. I'm going to put two of those in every state. Wow, that'd be awesome. 100, 1,500 square foot frames a day. Every component. Beautiful. And we're going to have a youth program in every community. 
because they are the solution to every adult's problem. Right. You know what? You know what we solve a lot of the problems though. They call the homeless problem, but yet these city's officials they get all these grants from HUD, and they 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 hire they make more organizations, hire more people, but they don't hire homeless people. Why do they put income housing for the low income? That's where we're going to create a job for them. I don't need them to go find a job. I'm going to create a job for them. So Beautiful. Have a purpose. Every person has a purpose, and right now, right. a homeless person has to work harder to be homeless than they do if if they if they worked an eight hour job and and had a place to go and lay their head down. Um, well, yeah, and it's easier to help them than to push them along. Yeah, this, this is time for for purpose. Okay, right. I want people to build their own home, learn how to build it, and then help me help someone else learn how to build it. And when this is over, we're gonna have all the homes built, and no one will ever be thrown out again because hope will be in charge, and hope belongs to everyone. So that's right. That that's what this is about. Okay, you can't take hope away. I'm not one of the big big conglomerates that were put together to make money. I'm put together to make salvation for our children and give them a legacy to live on. And that's what neighbors about. It's a pay, pay it back program. A lot of them, you know, Chris, like me, I was out there for 28 years, and everybody knows me. I know. And 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 I asked for help many times, many times, and I never got it here. I know that. I got many people help, but I couldn't get it. And it's sad the way they do that stuff. It's you know? very sad. I mean, I remember when you got your apartment. Yeah, it was, it, it, and they waited it eight times. So yeah, I mean, I, I understand, bro. Um, that's why, you know. It's why they got to me when they never found us. <laughs> they just want to hassle you. Right, so and that's the thing. They, they 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 complain about the homeless people being on the street, but when they get in, they do nothing but hassle them and get them kicked out, and they're back on the street again. And nobody tells these stories of what really happened. Well, the thing is, is we're going to make it never happen. Right, we need to stop it from happening, and that's what I've been saying for years, Chris. That's what I've been saying for years. Is it happening? I know, and now we're going to make it happen because I don't want people to talk about it. I want them to be about it. And you know, you know me, Chris. I'm about it. I'm all about it. You it's just, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have, my thing has always been the support. You know, I'll, I'll do most of the money work, but I need people that are willing to pitch in and say, yeah, let's do this. I'm not asking for your money. I'm not asking you to put it in my pocket. I'm asking people to put it in an organization's pocket where it goes to a direct source and to a direct cause, building material. Instead of giving it to that 501c3, put it to building material and let's build some homes for people. Well, we're fixing to do that. And until, until we have all the machines, I got a pro, I got a, a partnership with the largest manufacturer of steel studs in the country. So uh-huh. Nationwide distribution. So I have material in your community wherever you are. So if you hear my voice, if you hear this message, reach out to us, hopeforhousing.org, and tell me where you're at and what the problems are in that area so we can start addressing them. 
Well, help me start addressing the ones here. Well, I am. And see, I, I told you something you didn't already know. I've already sent the, the things off. They asked for 10 zip codes last week. I picked oh, seven, seven locations. And I gave them all of the zip codes in each location. And Tucson happens to be one of them. Beautiful. Beautiful. So we might start making progress here. We most definitely are going to make progress. This is That's what... great, man. Listen, you, you know, I, I finally got somebody to agree to be my roommate. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing because somebody finally said, you know, I see more than you. Hey, let's come on, man. If all you need is a place to stay, I got that. And now I got a place to stay. And, you know, I kept my word to him. I told him I'd take part of his rent or half of his rent or whatever. And I've got, I've more than fulfilled that. I don't, I don't, I don't have to, uh, you know, and that's all I needed was a place to lay my head where I wasn't being harassed, stolen from. It's, it's tough out there. Nobody, nobody realizes just how hard it is when everybody's against you already, you know? Yeah, and it's time for people to have pride and stop the humility and and let them know that they have a purpose. There is a positive they, Somebody does care. And they're very valuable. So Yes, sir. And once, once everybody understands that and we start letting our children know, hey, it's, it's we before me. And stop That's right. It takes a village. Mine, mine, mine. Right, people need to grow. And the biggest problem I see is that the, the, the media created this homeless problem thing. So now everybody's out there pointing their finger at them. Oh, you're a drug addict. You're mentally ill. You got to do this before I do this for you. But I want to help you. I want to help you. I want to help you. But I want them to do is sign a list where they can get paid. All right. You know? And that's the thing. It's become too much of an industry for anybody to ever get help. They're not really helping. Well, here's the thing. They, really they, they count everybody as a category, not an individual. Right. And not everybody's story is the same. No one's story is the same. Everyone's story is different. And you can't take and treat, if you have all these different diseases, people are diseases in no way, shape, or form making an, an example. If you have all these diseases and you put fear out there and so, you say this is for all of you, it's not going to fix it. And this is where we make a difference by thinking of tomorrow. I'm into that. If we care today, we will be fixing tomorrow. So, I don't ask anybody for donations. I ask you for information. If you give me information where it's at, I don't have to look for it. I don't have to wait for resources to look for it. I can put solutions to the problem with the same energy. Right, so if you go to landelevated.com, that's a great place to start with land. Oh, I I ain't gonna I ain't gotta look for land. I got I got a I've got one of the largest okay. land buyers in the world sitting at, beautiful at my fingertips of a text message. So uh, I got I got a message today from Concord, New Hampshire, and I said, "Give me a zip code." They gave me a zip code. I sent the zip code. I got a thank you when it was over. So 
Nice. When when no other questions are being asked, I don't I don't have to say anymore. You understand? It's just we need people to take action, and we need everybody to share everything we're doing on Facebook. If it if it gets if it gets posted, I don't care. I'm supporting a lot of organizations, so I I post a lot of things because I want I want people to be aware, and that's all we're trying to spread is awareness. And if every right, to get a a piece of people's power bills and their gas bills and their AT and T phone bills and their Frontier and you name it. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable of the different things that are involved in this, and they're giving us twenty percent. What can we do by taking ninety percent of the country spent is splitting ten percent of the money. 10% of the country has 90% of the money. If we could move even 10%, you know, even if we move 3%, we would end homelessness. But if we ended 10, right. man, we've created a workforce that will take care of the planet. We right. can do it from using our washers, dryers, refrigerators, stoves, water heaters, and cars, and never use another tree. That's right. So... You know, and that's the thing, Chris, you know, and that's what I've been saying all along is that we don't need to uh, destroy anything on the, on the planet to, to house people. And it doesn't take millions of dollars. Oh, it, everybody, everybody's become so complacent on the government to quote unquote end homelessness. And, and I say it all the time. You can't end what you didn't start. Well, the thing is, is they just ask, alleviate the discrimination and the hate. Of the homeless. Here's one thing. I just had a homeless shelter in my county that, that celebrated 100 years. Okay, they've helped a lot of people in 100 years. Don't get me wrong, not bad mouthing them. But no one has implemented a solution in 100 years. Give me a break. Right, and that's sad. You, you, because what they're doing is they're putting these people in these shelters, making them sign this list. And getting new credits every year and then shuffling them shelter to shelter to shelter. They're not really alleviating the problem. And the reason being is because of the definition of homeless. It's unfit for human habitation. Well, what, what do they declare unfit for human habitation? Because people have been living on the streets for thousands of years. Oh, uh, that's, well, that's the thing. You can't put 100 people with a mental condition in a room and don't think that's a problem. That's the first problem. Right, it's possible. That is the first problem. So yes, sir. If if I could give them individuality, if it's family, they got their the family's going to be there. Uh, if it's not a family, that person's going to have a place to go and be their own person in their. Right. So I want them to have their individuality. Uh, I want you to dream. Uh, and the thing is, is when you're when you dream at night. And you wake up, and you might be, you know, just full of anxiety and all this, and you're wondering, you know, man, well, I don't even remember what the dream was, but man, it got me shook up. Well, the thing is, during the day when you dream, that is just a reality that hasn't happened yet. So, write it down. Share it with There is people out here that are specialists in what they do, and if we all do our specials, and use our specialists out here uh, to teach 
and inspire, this will give you the support to, to continue dreaming and continue making things better. Because that's the only you know, Chris, one of the things I've always do is I've always wanted to help people. Right. You know, I've always wanted to help people. And I, I've helped a lot of people. Right. Anybody who knows me knows that. I've helped a lot of people. And I've always helped people. I always will because that's what I do best. I believe in saving lives. I believe in preservation. And it's key, you know. The more That's why I started No Cross Ministries after Homeless Advocate Connection got deleted because I was tired of everybody coming up and we want to help you. But it's not killer. They're just a drug addict. You're just, they want to put this label on me that says they know me better than me. I already know my downfalls. Stop pointing them out to me. Stop tearing me down about them. Build me up. Once you build a person up and you anchor a rope in success, it's an easy achievement. But if you keep jamming the man the noose and telling him what's wrong with him, he's going to hang himself. Yep. And that's what you do. You hand a man a noose and expect him not to hang himself with it. Just like all this opiate crisis. They hand people addictive, deadly substances that they know are addictive and deadly and say, don't get addicted. But here, I'm going to give you this addictive, deadly substance. Then the people we've handed to have gotten addicted to. Right. And don't get addicted. You know, and it's a sabotage. It's a sabotage. It's a takeover. See, there's mindless people that believe in government control and it's wrong. It's wrong. Government don't control well, here's the thing. You know, when, you, can... when you look at, at, at drugs, alcohol, whatever, if, if it's being abused, it's usually because that person's trying to escape from reality. Because reality right. around them is sucking. And, and abuse you need, trauma. they need joy. They need something to keep them motivated to move forward. Not to not to stay in that realm, and if we were able to empty all the shelters in the country and give people individuality, but also give them the support now to get themselves right, and when you give them to me healthy, I'm going to give them a future. But they are going to be part of the future. So what part of humanity? This is the most inhumane thing I've ever seen. Is why is it okay? For a homeless person to be outside it's not in no way shape or form should anyone go to sleep at night and think what's going to happen to you it's okay and i tell people that's got money that's got this that and the other i tell them hey when you get off when you get off work right here you walk outside and you go get in your truck oh your keys don't work now you got to find a ride home. Now, I want when when you get on the bus and whatever you're doing there, you make yourself over there to your house. Get ready to walk in the house. Realize your key don't work. That ain't your house. Okay. Now, who who are you gonna call? Because you don't have a cell phone. Your cell phone don't work. What are you gonna do? How helpless are you gonna feel just being in that position? Let alone literally being with no one. Yeah, and I felt that way for years, Chris. I felt that way for years. Where no, I felt like I had nobody. I, I know it was know. horrible. Everybody just—it was horrible. It is, and 
that's the part where you we know? can change it. Hey. And, and we can change it and by, you know, we need reaction. I just put an action place. I just but, gave you an action. I gave everyone an action. What is going to your reaction yes, sir. to my action? My reaction is to feel that action. And if we do that, and I ain't asked anybody for anything but other than sharing a message, correct? Amen to that. So, if... Well, and that's what we're here for, Chris. That's what me taking that step to put some action behind the reaction. I do. You know? We're here to share this message because I believe that you got something important to say. I believe that you got a good thing going and I believe you got a good... You know, you got to start at something better than what we had before. That is correct. We have have something that can cause momentum tomorrow. Right. They can shift the the measures the other way. And that's the thing. Just that little measure of hope to know that somebody really cares. But now we have an app. Okay. So it is a shopping app. You have to become a member. It costs $25 a year to be a member. But you get cash back when you go and spend your money. You go to Walmart, spend money, you get cash back. But you also make a donation to us at the same time. So that is on our Facebook page as well. And those are the kind of things that, you know, people need to understand what that link means. They, it says, it says, you know, it has our logo and it says Dynamic Pay on it. But realize what that company has done. They've created a platform that gives you money back. I've never been to Walmart before and got cash back. Right. Unless you ask for cash back out of your own checking account. Right. Okay. You got a Capital One card. You know, they give you 2% cash back if you use it. Wow. Gonna get whatever rebate you're gonna store. Wow. You're getting 10% at the Nike store, and so you bought a $200 pair of shoes, you get $20 back plus the 2% that you were getting on your card. So this is wow. a remarkable thing. So this is this is something that's remarkable, it's beautiful, and it's in our hands, and all we gotta do is share. We get everybody, and here's the other part. I got even one even better than that. Nobody does anything without being paid. So, I figured out a way to pay you to share this message. And hey, once you that. become a member and you share this message, it for every person that signs up to the message or to the to the membership that you you refer them, you get a ten. So now. Everybody wow. can pay just by doing some social media right now. But hey, man, to that. You know, if 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 you'd have woke up this morning and realized that that things are, can change and, and and they're gonna change tomorrow, you would have a different outlook on the way you woke up this morning. Because this is real. Open your eyes. Come out of the dark. Open and come into the light. And when everybody's lights lit up, it's gonna be so bright. We're all going to wear shades. Just a measure of hope, man. Just a measure of hope makes you smile, doesn't it? That's the part where I want to give you hope that's real. It's not something you have to dream about. It's actually a dream that's already coming through. Because 
beautiful. I've had to dream it. You know what I mean? I've dealt with it for 15 years to get it to the point I'm at. But I'm at the point where I can say, all of you are my partner. Help me. Give me 20 minutes out of your day and share this message. And as you share it, if you do it in this order, I'll pay you to do it. Amen to that. So, Chris, can you name that app, please, so we, our listeners can download it and uh, we can have some people start getting paid. I want to start telling some homeless people about this. I'll be sharing the podcast on my Facebook and in a bunch of groups. Can we name the app? Uh, it is Well, the app is on my on my page, um, on, on Hope's page. So you, ca- you type in capital letters HOPE, put in Housing Our People Everywhere, or just type in Housing Our People Everywhere people need to remember what hope is and I give people a double dose of it I tell you humans on planet earth housing our people everywhere giving us a peace of mind and this is peace on earth and it's in your hand if you show me the palm of your hand I will show you we can do anything together if you don't show me the palm of your hand you're showing me a guarded situation that you can't do anything if I'm falling you can't grab me and pull me out because you have no way of gripping me. So I'm telling everybody to get a grip and get ready because we're going to start an inferno that will not burn you. And my goal is to start a fire in your heart that right. water will never put out. It already has, man. That fire was started long ago, my brother, but now there's a little bit of hope behind it. There's something there, you know. Now let's you got, you got a great thing here. Of something that will never crumble. You yes, know, sir. Termites yes, sir. Freeze. You put, there's even ways of doing the, the insulation that your house is already sprayed for bugs. No, no rodents. Yes. This is a way to change it and give a green future. The material can be recycled a hundred times and still be the same material it was the first time because it loses no molecular structure during the recycling process. Beautiful. And in 2000... Beautiful. Chris, we lost you again. Hold on a minute. We lost you. Chris? Yeah, I'm here. Yes, you did. You got me? There we go. In 
That's right. I need everybody to reach their palm out and show me the pink side because I don't care what continent you come from. We lost you. If it ain't, it's just because you work really, really hard. Right, your palm, you, we kind of lost you. Your, palm, that, is your palm is what? Every person. Yes. Every human being, but we're not being human. Okay? Time to change. No, we're not. And if we change and we start yes, working sir. with our eight-year-old, by the time they're 18, the eight-year-olds at that time would never know there was a homeless problem. Okay? We can fix it. That's right. And we can fix it now. And we can make sure by putting stitches and antibiotics in the wound, we'll make sure this infection never comes back because we'll use the band-aids that are out there. And that's what I call them. I call them band-aids. But we'll use the band-aids because they're going to be our social workers. They're going to be doing the health services. This is the part we need. But we don't need them to use 75% of their resource to try to house somebody when they don't know what they're doing. Okay, that's point B. Right. You got to leave a moment to know who they are. Nobody wants to. You're a, you are a category. Okay? That is something that kind right. of sounds like cattle to me. I want to change. Yeah. We're like cattle. But we're okay. also an industry. We most definitely make sure people stay alive. I had someone that worked at a, at a shelter. And uh, I, I met her at a gas station. Um, I said, hey, have you heard about this? She, she looks at me when I'm done and she says, please don't do that. And I said, well, she said, because I work at a shelter. I said, yeah, what, what shelter you work at? And this stupid woman tells me. And I said, hey, let me show you something. And then I happened to show her that the national office even though her local office doesn't, her the national office supports me. We lost you. Okay, and now you're back. They support me. The national office does. And I said, nice. I better hope I don't call it in and make sure you don't have a job to go to. Because she was worried about her paycheck. Okay, and it was yeah. sick to me. I almost threw up on her. I told her, I said, "You make me sick." I said, "I said I want to throw up on your shoes right now." It's sad the way the homeless get treated today. Listen, it's sad. It's not going to be. It's not homeless anymore. So let's change that. Your housing challenge, and I challenge housing. you to a house. You, they want it. Come get it. Show me. Stand up with me in every city in the country and say hope is here and we're here to stay. And it's here today. Yes. That's it. Come on. Beautiful. I'm ready to see the uprise. I, I accept that challenge. Hope is here and it's here to stay. That need me the most, who, who, who out there is going to care about you if you're not going to care about yourself? I care about it. So here it That's is. It. You have... I'm telling you that you are housing challenged, but I'm challenging you to a house. And if you want one that you can call home, 
because you helped me build it, I'll come stand next to you and we'll put them screws in and we'll stand this dude up. So I accept your challenge. Let, let's make this thing happen. That's where I'm at. And I got let's something that. that I can include every local business in your community for this one common goal. So I don't care what community you're in. Challenging y'all. Every business can be involved in this. And I can promote their business across the nation. Selling their products outside the community. Bringing the money back to the community. So, Chris, let's give your uh, website again okay. and uh, and then tell people how we can get in touch with you. Housing.org. And you can call 309 42 6319 or text. Go on Facebook Beautiful. and go for housing, our people everywhere your birthday okay you can do you can do fundraising for every event you you can pick housing our people everywhere we are in there so I that to step yes up I've seen the page what is in your hands right now in the future for your great-grandchildren because your children out there yes from first grade up have a purpose for them and for one I've been partnering with restaurants across the country so what we're going to do here is we want to be able to offer them dinner from 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock being made by chefs all over the country have a culinary arts program have restaurants that have went out of business open back up and be community driven because your kids are cooking the food in there for you teach them yes. have the gardens to teach them every little well, part of what life is and how it now that's changing the face of homelessness man done it's not I think we lost anymore. you a second here your housing challenge now that's now that's changing the face of the housing challenge that's changing the face See, and that's that's something people out there have been looking for for a long time. It's just somebody to give them that little measure of hope, that little bit of positivity instead of all the finger pointing that people do. And that's it. You know, once they see that, once they see that, it changes the world for them. It gives them something to strive for better than where they were at. It changes the world for them. It changes the world around them. Yes. Yes, it changes people's view. When, 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 when the way people they look, look at, at people, they judge them by the story. They look at their story and you get a judgment. Okay? I love it. I love it when I walk up and somebody judges me to my look. Because about the time they catch eye contact with me, I'm going to open my mouth. And then you're going to realize who it was you just ran into. Because every person out there you will not pass anyone. You will not stand next to them at a gas station. You won't be at a red light. You won't be at, a, at standing on a corner. You won't pass them on a sidewalk. Every person you now have something in common with. 
you all have hope. That's right. So I want you That's right. something to unite us. Mm-hmm. And it takes unity to have a community. Right now you have you have a so-called community, but it's not a community because you are all alone. People think about me, myself, and I. It needs to be we before me. So we take the M and we flip That's it right. over and it's a W. And now we got something moving right. Stop with this. Stop with this negative. There you go. And do something positive. Well, you know, sometimes people got to see the negative to, to get to, to the positive. And that's why I... Homeless shelter. How much of it do you want to see? Your entire life of it? Or do you want to be part of the future? Because we're not here to suck. I want to be part of the future. We're not here just to breathe and and get what we can take off of it and enjoy what we can get out of it. We are here to take care of thy brother and help each other. That's we are one race, the human race. So whenever that's right. speak, I want everyone it's to just think a of everyone it as equal because equality will be what prevails. That's right. I'm not stop, yes, sir. Stop what a powerful message, Because, And I always have been. So I never want that to stop. But what I want to do is ignite. Yeah. And when I... We lost you. Hold on, Chris. Yeah, I'm here. We so, lost you. Yeah, when, okay, go ahead when now. we start that ignition and, and I start that fire in their hearts that water will never reach. This is the inferno that will never burn you. You're not going to die in a house. Right. We're going to get rid of the having to have so many firemen because sooner or later all of these things are going to burn down. But when they do, we're not going to build it back out of something that was made from Mother Nature. That's the difference. We've only been building this for 200 years. Why do we think that is the answer? It ain't never gave us equality. It's not the answer. One thing it's given is nope. Rich it's people richer. Division. Well, see. That's right. Division. I, I do like division. I like division in in a positive way. And I want you to think about this because you think of. Adding, subtracting, multiplying, and dividing. You think of subtracting and dividing as a negative. I'm going to tell you that that division is a separation over there. And it needs to be over there for a reason. What it does is it takes... Yeah. Say I... I, I, I me. I'm going to... I'm trying to teach three people something. There's four of us. As soon as I teach those four people... I'm going to divide and I'm going to separate these four people. And now each of them are going to go show four people. And that first division multiplied. Become the, most- the next division multiplies again. Yes. The next division multiplies again. But if we and work so- as a division, when it's over, and when we send in our unit, you know, our troops, those troops 
are a unit. We're sending in a unit. So, it's right. Yeah, unity. And we're also Straight sending numbers. in a division. And the thing is, is when we send in a division, a yes. division is all of those multiples together. And then we send in this whole this whole set. It's called a division. But over here on down the beach, we send in another division. Because we divided our, our big time. So now it's just five. You get me? Every time we divide, yes. we get stronger. Right. Every time we'll divide, we will get stronger. Because we will stay united. This is the United States. You've never seen it unite before. Is this a better reason? Have you ever heard of a better reason not to? Never. You know, so Chris, I'll tell you what. I accept your challenge. And um, I I hope some of our listeners do. I'm pretty sure they will. Um, You know, I used to have a lot more listeners, but uh, it'll come back. It's just a matter of time. I got to get off my lazy duff and stop uh you know this all this I, I had to take a break for a while man all the it got to me it got to me in a way but I'll tell you what I'm gonna come back and when I get back in full stride you know the listeners will come I'm not worried about that they they can delete it all they want but the listeners are gonna come I give a message of hope to I've helped a lot of people and I'm still gonna promote hope to people Hope is the number one thing to lift people onto their feet. Every day, every morning they get hope of a new, better beginning, lifts people to their feet. And without and hope, there's nothing. They, they build up. And, and that's the thing that I think people is, look, when you're out there tearing people down, that gives them no hope. It just makes them feel worse. So when you promote a little bit of hope and show them that there's success at the end of the tunnel, put a little light there so they can see, hell, you'd be surprised at what they do. Promoting hate and discrimination, and I don't like you, and you're a problem, and that promotes a problem. That's right. It doesn't make you the solution; it makes a problem. Because now people don't trust you, now they don't want to be around you, and they ain't gonna let you help them. But when you go out there with a positive attitude, saying, "You know, we're gonna get you housing," there's a difference there. When you say, "Hey, look, there's a house." I mean, I I went in November. I had a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old and their father in November and they had a couple hours and they came and they built the trusses for a tiny home and we put a queen size bedroom up in the trusses and uh, but they built it in two hours and they didn't wow. even live in that community where they live they don't have a problem but they did have a couple hours so this is a way that family units can work together and come out and change somebody's life forever but you're going to change your own too because now, that's what it Yeah. So. Chris, it was a wonderful show. Thank you for coming on, man. And um, I'm going to be putting this on my Facebook page. I'm going to be putting it on No Cross Ministries. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'll be putting a link to both the app and uh, Hope on my on No Cross Ministries page. Um, and I'll also share it to uh, Homeless at Large group. Uh, 
Chris, it was a wonderful thing talking to you. Uh, I accept your challenge, and I'm hoping that most of Tucson will accept it as well, because right. together we can Can't make a difference and make a change. Yes, that's right. No one person can and do it by. It has to be a community. It takes a village. The whole village in your community will give an equal opportunity. Yes, bless sir. You, brother. God bless you. Man, God bless you. All right. Bye. All right, brother. Thank you. Podcast. Good evening, everyone. This is Roy Sterling Trout, and I'm here with uh, my new partner in No Cross Ministries. You want to introduce yourself? I'm Wesley Dyson. This is Wesley Dyson. Welcome, Wes, to No Cross Ministries. People um, call me Scarecrow. People call me Scarecrow. So here's the deal, y'all. For weeks, I've been telling everybody how the homeless are treated, and Wes and I are here. Wes is homeless. He's he's an accountant to the way people are treated out there. The way these so-called services that they build do, and um, we're here to bring awareness to it. The more people speak up, the more that you know we're going to bring attention to it. And the more attention we bring into it, the more it stops. So we're going to bring attention, and whether you like us or not, we're going to help our family out there. We're going to feed our family. We're going to house them, whether you like it or not. The cops aren't going to stop us now. We're going to stop them. Dead in their tracks. See, somebody's done some research. We've done some research, and somebody found out our rights. We found out our rights. That's number one. Number two, we defined our rights. We defined our right to liberty, which is pursuit of happiness, which is freedom. Which is freedom to. Which is freedom to our lifestyle of choice. Which means if we want to be nomadic, that's what we can be. We're going to be. Now, Wes, let's talk about what we spoke about earlier in the uh, in the live video. You know, you said about the police and how this police treat the homeless. Mm-hmm. Let's get that out there. Let's let's really put it out there. Um, we're going to gain some listeners here. I think it's time we build this podcast off the ground. Because I think it's a real important message in here about the homeless. Because the fact is, we are people. We're yep. human. And they treat, like, it's cause of it's cause of the few, they treat everybody bad. Right. And you remember back in like two thousand, ninety nine, two thousand, we didn't allow people to act like they are now out there. Nope. We we regulated that shit. It was either clean up your mess or get on the train and get out. Yeah, we sent a few people packing on that train. That's right, we sure did. And what why why did we stop that? Everybody wants to know why we stopped. Why? T P B. That's right. They started throwing the people who were making them clean up the mess in jail for petty crimes like disorderly conduct, disturbing the peace, while they let the person who made the mess go. Yep, assault. Right, assault. assault. Yep, trespassing. They let them go. Now, the fact is, that shows that we used to regulate our own. It's not our fault that TPD wouldn't let us do what we did. But I'll tell you what, we're going to go back. And this time they're not going to stop us. Because you know what, we're tired of having a bad name because of a select few who are out there being assholes. Yeah, the ones who go behind dumpsters and take shits and stuff, that, that's bad on everybody. The one who pulls all the trash out of a dumpster, like our like our Safeway. We, I've been living off of Safeway for 15, 20 years now. 
and now I can't even get in there to get nothing from them no more because of, of one asshole went up there and he'd dump all the trash out and leave it. You see, and it's sad that the people that, the select few affect everyone. And you know, when, when they go in there in stores and shoplift, those people, when they report it to the police, they don't say it's that person or that person. They say a homeless person. They say it's the homeless people again. Well, the police don't want us calculating all the good ones with the bad ones. They don't want us describing them with the bad. So why are they doing it to us? Why do y'all multiply us in together like flock? One bad apple makes them all bad, right? Well, the police are the same. That's why we look at it that way, folks. That's exactly why. Because they come out and they render us all the same, so we render all them all the same. Ain't none of them been good to me. So why should I trust any of them? Wes, they ever been good to you? Nope. Never. Wes, what kind of discrimination do we come into nowadays on the streets? Because we're on the streets. Um, let me see. I, I know a Carl Jr. down there off of Congress that won't let our kind in the store. They'll, yeah. they'll make that statement. We don't want your kind in here. What kind is that? Homeless? Nomadic? <laughs> yeah. So they're discriminating upon our uh, liberty, right? Yep. Lifestyle of choice. Now, see that? Now, folks, how would you like that? How would you like to be one of us? Out Can't there. We Carl Jr. because we're a. <laughs> because we have backpacks. Fries on First and Grant, same thing. They've thrown me out of there several times for a crime I never committed. Because of a lady named Deborah Brown, who was a store manager, and she decided she didn't like homeless people, so. I was homeless. She threw me out of the store. You ever had that happen in the grocery store? Yep. And um, TPD, when they come to our camps, do they are they nice to us? No, they tear us up. Do they cause property damage? Yeah, they sure do. They destroy everything they can put their hands on. And you wonder why people are still homeless. Have you ever tried to apply for a job, Wes? Um, I can't get an ID. That's the reason I got kicked out of the programs that uh, the courts placed me in they kicked me out and so I can't get an ID that means I can't get a job yeah. Yeah. oh I'm sorry it's just you know, the microphone picks it up um now Wes so I was applying for jobs at like McDonald's and you know they told me I wasn't qualified before I even got an interview have you ever had that happen um no okay it's because I was um homeless they're cracking down on the homeless it's called the, the homeless problem you ever heard that term yeah they want the they want the homeless people to leave tucson and go to phoenix or, or to california else in, or to california they don't want them in tucson now wes are you aware that the city of tucson just got 78 million dollars from hud to house the homeless you know what they're doing with it yeah i know i was in that program pima county pima county housing first program they couldn't get me an id so they made up an excuse uh, about not enough felonies. I got 72 felonies on my record. Uh, how can I not have enough felonies? Now, I started to hit the dude in the mouth to hand me the paper and then I got another felony. It's a good thing you did because we're going to put out a call and we're going to get you an attorney for this problem. A real attorney. Yeah, but so, see, it violated me right off the bat. As soon as I got kicked out of the program, it says that in my paperwork. If you get removed from the program, you go back and start your go back to the original charges back in jail. 
Okay, so now look, here's the deal. Did you try to cooperate with the adult probation? Um, up to the point where she wanted me to come in and I know it was a cuff up time and I didn't go in. Okay, so you are aware that she can't just cuff you, right? Uh, You're not aware of that. They never told you that, did they? Uh, she can cuff me anytime she wants oh, to. Oh, she can, if she has an order from a judge. Yeah. She has to have an order Only from a judge. All you gotta do is go to the judge and say he's not cooperating. Right. So you know the first thing is to show up. But it's okay, I understand you didn't know. Yeah. Okay, now we're gonna take care of you. Because we're gonna get you a real attorney that's gonna fight for you. Because what they're doing to you is not right. They're trying to give me six to 12 years for a gram of methamphetamine. Huh? I'm a drug addict. Yeah, in a moment we're doing a podcast. Oh, okay. So let me make something clear here, folks. I'm a drug addict, so. I'm letting it be said that a drug addict is also a lifestyle. Yeah. Is it your lifestyle of choice? Yes. Then isn't that covered in liberty? Yeah, I think so. So every time they arrest you for that, is that not kidnapping? Yeah. Okay, there you go. That's a violation of our constitutional rights. Because it is some people's choice to be that way. You're right. I've been doing drugs since I was eight years old. But you know, the fact is, here's the problem. People don't care about that. All they care about is government bureaucrat bullshit. Well, we're going to get back to brass tactics. We're going to get back to the brass tactics. We're going to go back to the way we used to be. And um, we're going to help each other. We're going to get back to taking care of ourselves. We're going to go back to policing ourselves. We're going to clean up the homeless population, correct, Wes? Yes. And nobody's going to stop us. Help us or leave us alone. Good morning, all. Welcome to the show. This is Homeless Large Podcast by No Cross Ministries. We're on Anchor FM. Uh, totally free podcasting network. They help you uh, help you to mi- market your podcast. They put you on different platforms, and it's all free. So look up Anchor FM. Uh, get the app. Start a podcast. Listen to Homeless Large. And... Uh, it's all free so um this morning we're sitting here at camp uh it's uh wesley dyson and i we're sitting here at camp and i'm not going to disclose the location because it's just it's too risky it's way too risky uh pardon us while the train goes by uh anyways we're going to sit here we're going to have a discussion and go through our morning routines with y'all we're going to have a little fun do a little chat we're talking about some homeless issues uh, we're discussing about what's going on with the homeless people here in Tucson because uh, we're thinking about doing something about the way people are acting out here. You know, we don't like the childish behavior and the bullshit. Uh, it's wrong. And we don't believe in that, that, that people should be trashing our, our, our neighborhoods, our streets. Uh, we don't believe that they should be uh, shoplifting from our stores. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and roll a cigarette for a minute and Wes is going to talk. I think Wes got a little story here, and uh, we're gonna have some good times. We're gonna have a little chat. Uh, so Wes, you know, yep. we were talking before uh, before we went about Crosby, and uh, Crosby died in Salvation Army. You know when they took the nitroglycerin? Yeah, I know. They frowned upon Crosby because he liked to get high. He didn't. He didn't tell no lies about it. Right. He liked to get high. Right, and he was just open about it. He didn't yep. care. He was. He, he didn't care. He smoked his weed, and he's he done it. He smoked his meth. That's right. He, and you know what? That's the sad part about it is, you know what? I don't care what you do. There's a thing called liberty, and that's a freedom of lifestyle of choice. Yep, that's my, that was his lifestyle. And a lifestyle is a drug addict. 
A drug addict is a lifestyle. Whether you like it or not, it's a lifestyle. It's a choice. Yep. Some people like it. I've been a drug addict for 50 years. And you know what? We don't go out stealing from people. We're not steal. taking I nothing from dive. nobody. I dumpster dive for everything I get. Right. We're not taking from nobody. The clothes on my back came <clears throat> out of a dumpster. But you know what? Everybody wants to call all the homeless people thieves and drug addicts and mentally ill. We're not. Well, a lot of us are mentally, mentally ill. Well, you, have they, to be, you have to be a little bit crazy just to be out here. Well, yeah. You're not mentally ill, though. No. Because I'm sorry. You know, they all go to church. They all say they go to church. And the Bible, their own Bible says that God created us all equally in his image. Yep. You think God created one man with a mental deficiency? Come on now. If we're all in his image and all created equal, how did he make one with a fucking mental deficiency? It's, well, it doesn't happen that way. And I don't believe in evolution either, so I don't think none of my family ever swung from a tree unless it was at the end of a rope. Right. So now, now if God created us all in his image, then that means that their mental deficiency came from life, not from being mentally deficient and born that way. Because Mom they came... Mom done something wrong. Right. During birth, or they suffered trauma somewhere. Yep. There is no mental illness. <coughs> That's just a way of getting people on Big Pharma. Get yep. you on drugs, medication. Like they're fishing to do us on this fucking coronavirus. That's right. All this coronavirus thing, fucking you take that damn, uh, that damn vaccine and all you're doing is weakening your immune system some more. Because you know what? It's artificial immune system. What they're doing is taking a dormant virus and putting it in your system. I think they're putting a chip in you. I think so too. They're saying they're not, but they're lying. Yep. And, and look how long the government's been lying to people. You don't believe me that they're lying, but look how long they've been lying to people. Forever. I mean, look what look, look, look at Obama. He said he was going to change. He drew a line in the sand and let everybody cross it. He said he was going to change America and bring it back. He lied. The no. only one that ever did what they said they were going to do was... Donald J. Trump. Donald Trump. I like the fuck out of that man. And you know what? I don't care what I think of him as a person. He might be a snob. I don't know. I've never met the man. But I know when he said he was going to do something, he did it. Yeah, but I didn't have to worry about this country getting run over by Japanese or, uh, or and, Pakistanians. And look, now that he's taken out, he left office, look how many countries are starting to take advantage of us. Look what's going on in the Middle East. We've done let the fucking peace treaty in the Middle East go. And look. Look what's going on. Yeah. We Put got Trump wars everywhere. back in office. Yo, they're, they're working on it. Biden's a piece of shit. He works for Japan. Not only that, but he's fucking weak. Yep. He, he doesn't have a mind at all. His mind is gone. That man can't think for himself. Yep. Kamala thinks for him, and that's far left. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You, you Democrats, y'all need to wake up. Y'all really need to wake up, because real talk, uh... You guys are destroying this country. Where uh, the hell are? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with what y'all doing. Look, this country was built on freedom, not government. And I, you know what? I wear a Freemason ring. Yes, my sir. My granddaddy's. Yes, sir. Yeah, so uh, y'all need to fucking straighten your asses up. Let the Masons back in there. That's right. Not only that, but we need to let the fucking businessmen start running this country. 
They're the ones that fucking know how to make money. The rich businessmen. And you know what? I'll bet you everybody would be rich. Eventually. Because these businessmen, people think they're fucking greedy. But let me tell you about these politicians. Never had a real job in their life. Living in million dollar homes off the back of the American working man making promises they never keep. That's true. You know why the taxes are so high when politicians run? Because they got to make their, their paycheck. You line in their pocket. You think about this. You pay property tax and that's supposed to keep up the roads in America. But you drive the roads in America and look how bad they are. Just ride a bicycle across Tucson. You tear up your fucking car, your bike, whatever. You tear it up. Just driving across town. Yep. What are they really doing with that property tax? What do you think they're doing with it, Wes? Uh, buying drugs for them, for them and their hooker. But you drive up to a politician's house, I'll bet you the road don't tear up their car. No, hell no. It's gonna be smooth. Nice and smooth. You know what I find funny? Biden had to rescind stopping the wall. He has to resume building the wall because Donald Trump's got so much of it done. And, and, and the way it's going is that He's going to have to start building the wall again. Ha! Ain't that a bitch. Not only that, but because of the fuel shortage, he had to resume the pipeline too. Ain't that a bitch too. There was so much of that done that America depended on that for gas now. And without it, there's no gas. Ain't that a fucked up situation now? (laughs) Donald Trump really backed him into a fucking corner with that one. Hand me that bag. Yes, sir. Donald Trump got him back into a corner, boy. He's made it to where everything he did, they cannot reverse because he got so much of it done that there's no way they can reverse it because America's too dependent on it now. He's made it to where they can't can't reverse it. That's a good thing. Right. And anything they do to try to reverse it is going to tear it up. It's going to tear up everything. It's going to fuck them. It falls right back into good places. Because... Like now, the media has no choice but to cover the border crisis that Joe Biden created. They got no choice. People are complaining about it. They got no choice but to cover it. And you know what? This was Biden's era creating this border crisis because fucking Donald Trump had that shit empty. Yep. There was nobody there. Now they're filling cells like they're fucking like sardines. Like sardines, folks. And the. think it's bad. Wait till all them people from the other countries start coming across that border. And they start releasing them. Yeah. You know, and I believe I, 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 you know what? I totally, I totally support what Donald Trump says. They're not sending their best. No. Because it's the best. They want to keep the best. They're not sending their businessmen who make businesses and bring jobs. It's like when they did Cuba. When they fucking move all them people from Cuba. We got all the bad. You know, I was I was listening to uh, uh, something the other day, and they were saying that uh, fucking what was it? Oh, they were saying that uh, the Black Lives Matter has spanned across the globe with their defund the police and police brutality. They're everywhere now, putting their propaganda across this globe. They're everywhere. Yeah. They're not the only ones that get fucking beat up and stuff like that. But the, you, the homeless people, period, get beat up. None of these black folks in Black Lives Matter have ever seen discrimination 
they're mostly young kids who fucking ain't no shit about discrimination. They wouldn't know discrimination if it punched them in the face. You want to fucking learn discrimination, people? Come out here and be fucking homeless and you'll find discrimination. When you can't even walk in a store because you wear a backpack. Right. Well, you can't even walk into a store because you wear, you look homeless. Yep. They tell you, we don't want your kind. What kind is that? Homeless? That's discrimination. You all want discrimination? Become homeless. Black Lives Matter, you ain't seen discrimination yet. You motherfuckers say you're about social injustice? Well, let me tell you social injustice. You not only burn businesses, you burn black people's businesses. You made black people poor because you took their lifetime away. And you're yep. talking about Black Lives Matter. How do Black Lives Matter when you're burning black people's businesses? That says Black Lives Matter, right? Yep. Come on now. Let's get real, folks. You're being lied to. This Go to the government. projects. Go to the projects and buy you some crack. Our government started crack, made crack, so it keep the poor man down. Our government brought speed over from fucking Germany. Yep. Y'all think it's funny? Our government has started 88% of addiction with Big yep. Pharma. They take all this shit, they sell it in Walgreens to you through your insurance. You got my, you got my torch out there? I do. They sell it to you. And you know what? I don't care what you say. Oh, that's just minuscule amounts of addictive deadly substances. Fuck you, it's addictive deadly substances. Yep. It don't take much. That's why they call it a dangerous drug. Right. That's why they call it a deadly addictive substance. And Highly it addictive. Tea. It makes you lose your teeth. It does all kinds of bad things for you. Did you know anytime you buy a fucking decongestant, you're buying ephedrine? You know what ephedrine is? It's the base ingredient in methamphetamine. You just bought yourself some addiction. And if you have an addictive personality disorder, if you've ever been an addict before, like a drug, an alcoholic, you're prone to get addicted to meth by taking those decongestants. It's an antihistamine. Yep. But you know what? Here's what's funny. Did you notice none of the meth heads are getting fucking COVID-19? Yeah, none of I them. noticed that. None of them. None of them. The meth heads aren't getting COVID-19 either, I've folks. Never had, I've never had a fucking flu shot in my life. Uh, I'm not going to start now. Me either. Oh, shit, my bad. You know, here's what's funny to me. Is that we go out and... Like, I was, I haven't worried about COVID-19 this whole fucking time. I don't care. Um, it just builds my immune system. Makes it strong. If I get some... It's maybe once every two years I get sick. And then I'm only sick for like a day or two and it's over. Because I'm tempered in human garbage and shit. I've been on the streets for so long I've lived in fucking places that I've most people won't so go. Many dumpsters people. <laughs> I've eaten out of dumpsters that gag maggots. And you know what? You know what? COVID-19 is a joke to me. And you know what you really, I find funny all these people saying, you have a responsibility to protect us too. Well, what responsibility do they have to protect the homeless? None. <coughs> None. Most, most people shake their heads as soon as they see us coming. Or they lock their doors. Right. 
They don't protect us. Why should we protect you when you don't protect us? The fuck you think that's made? What sense does that make? You want us to protect you and wear our masks that don't even really protect us. But you won't protect us while people come out here and beat the shit out of us and steal from us. Hence, when I got stabbed. Hence, when I got beat by a baseball bat. I deserved to be beat by the baseball bat. I'm no angel, so they didn't arrest the guy that stabbed me. What the fuck kind of backward shit is that? Hell, I got arrested if I put out a fire at a house. All right, this house is fishing to burn down. The lady that owns this car poured gasoline out of her car onto the ground and then lit it while it was, ran, it was running down the hill to this house. I put the flame out and got arrested because I had a warrant, a misdemeanor warrant. Misdemeanor? So Come on. Doing a, good, doing a good thing got me arrested. Yeah. I should have just walked away and let the house burn and everything. See? And y'all think Black Lives Matter, this is for you. Y'all think you've seen discrimination? Try that on for size. Go do a good thing and then get arrested for it. Hell, and all this over George Floyd, did you know that George Floyd didn't die of suffocation? He no. died of an overdose. Oh. The cop didn't kill him, he died of an overdose. He swallowed a bunch of fucking, um, Dope. yeah. He swallowed a bunch of methamphetamine and he had fucking, uh, um, what's it called, that, that fucking opiates in his system. Wow. Enough to kill a herd of elephants. That man died of an overdose, not police brutality. Y'all been fucking lied to by the media. That's nothing unusual. The media's real good at lying. Well, yeah, you know, they, they think it started with black people. But let me tell you, the media's been long, lying longer than black people because they lied about homeless people. Still doing it every day. That's right. We're the problem, but you know what? Here's the deal. I'll bet you if you were in trouble, a homeless pe person would be the first one to try to stop and help you I while you roll up your windows I, and lock your doors. If I'm riding my bike and I see a car in the fucking, out in the road and it's broke down and they're trying to get the car off the fucking thing, I'll lay my bike down and go over and help them push the car. The homeless people will be the first ones to help you. Yep. We're the nicest people in the world, but y'all discriminate upon us and kick us out your stores, kick us out your business. You know, if you would talk to us... I might smell funny every now and then, but I try to take a bath every now and then. You know, if, 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 if stores would talk to us, people like me and Wesley, about their shoplifters, they wouldn't have shoplifters for long. No, we run them off. And they won't come back, because we're not taking them to jail, filling them full of bologna sandwiches, and giving them free hot in a cop for a day or two. I'm not going to feed them at all. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick them in the ass and move them on down the road. That's right. We're going to move them down the road. We're going to put them on a train out of town. Get the fuck out of here. We don't want your attention. Because you know what? The homeless people used to take care of that shit. We used to keep that shit down. You think it was the police? It wasn't. We used to keep these people out here trashing these streets. We used to keep them at bay, not the cops. And as you guys can tell, the police aren't doing a very good job of now. But back in 2000, we didn't have this shit. No, we didn't. Because the homeless people took care of it. We're the ones that cleaned up that trash. We're the ones that fucking ran in people out of here. We're the ones that kept these little immature fucks from doing what they're doing. Y'all just didn't know about it. We did it silently. We weren't trying to broadcast what we were doing. 
the unfortunate part is people figured out that if they called the cops, they could have us arrested. And guess what the police did? Fell right into it. They arrested us. So now our elders have disbanded. Most of them are dead now. And we're disbanding. We're spread out everywhere so thin we can't do nothing. But we're coming back together. I promise. We're going to come back together. Just See, be stronger than ever. They've got us. They got to have us so disbanded and, and, and separated, fighting against each other. Well, it's time to reunite the homeless people. We need to become that community we used to be. Because, real talk, I'm tired of this shit. I'm sick of walking down the road and seeing fucking people trash our streets. We need some land, people, that we can put up home, put up houses, temporary houses, tents, camp, right. make camps. Because look, we got a camp right here. We're sitting in camp right now. It's clean. We don't have trash everywhere. Yeah, but we don't have water. We don't have a bathroom that we can use. Right. We need to get that right there. We need a place where we got electricity, water. Now you think about this. We're homeless. We've been discriminated upon by the city. And yet, we're willing to help the city if the city will let us. Isn't that fucking amazing? Yep. And, and you guys call us the problem. We are true nomadic people. The true nomadic people want to stay out of sight. We don't want to be bothered. We want to be left the fuck alone. If you ask us to do something, we'll go do it. Damn right. God damn right we will. We're not scared. Listen, folks. This is a message to society, to the government, to everybody. We're willing to help. But you got to be willing to let us. I'll stand up for my country if it comes down to it. Give, give me the gun and I'll point it. But right now, I don't believe in the Constitution, Wes. No, but I will defend this country. Damn right, I'll defend this land, but I won't defend the politics that survive this land. Nope. The politics can kiss my ass. I'm not going to another country fucking starting a war. No, I ain't. If they come here, they have a fucking problem if I see them. If they're going to threaten my life, my liberty, my happiness, or my family, they're fucked. That's it. They're fucked. My friends and my family. <clears throat> Listen. The homeless people, the true nomadic homeless people, are primitive survival experts. We can survive anywhere, anytime, any way, any place, because we've been doing it all our lives. Yeah, they're gonna be doing it. On nothing. You drop us off in the middle of nowhere with nothing but a pair of boxer shorts and a toothbrush, and we're gonna return the next day. We're gonna be at your door within a couple of days with a million dollar smile and a pocket full of pesos. No problem. Guaranteed. They've we'll, taken me on the other side of town twice now and dropped me off. Put me in the back of the cop, cop car, talk about I was a, a menace to society. Take me out past Miranda, dropped me off and told me to keep going. I had a lady fucking use the cops to ditch me in Prescott National Forest. <laughs> you know what? I told both of them, the cop and the lady, I'll be back in town before you wake up in the morning. Because she was camping. Yep. I told her I'll be back in Tucson with money in my pocket by morning, by the time you take your tent down. By 9 o'clock the next morning, I was back in Tucson. She hadn't even taken her tent down yet. She was just waking up. Say, how you doing there, bitch? I called her and said, hey, I'm back in Tucson. She left me no food, no water, nothing. Just dropped you off. Just left me there. By the next day, I was back in Tucson.
next morning. She hadn't even fucking gotten up and made coffee yet. <laughs> That's amazing. That's the way we are. Yep. We're resourceful, folks. Y'all think, I know y'all used to your silver spoon and your platter meals and all that shit, but you know what? There's gonna come a day where that shit ain't there and you're gonna wish there was a homeless person around to help you. You're gonna kill us, you're gonna run us off, but you're gonna wish we were there one day. I guarantee it. It's coming soon. Look at the world today. You're gonna wish we were there. So don't run us off too soon before you know what's up. Because you're gonna need us. Who's gonna fight the battles for you? Not only that, but who's gonna teach you to survive once there ain't no electricity? <coughs> We're gonna start compounds. It won't be long we'll be doing compounds and stuff like that. We used to already, bro. We used to have yep. some set up, but the cops came in and destroyed them. Yep. Every home homeless people have ever had, the cops destroy. We make our own homes. We don't need people. We don't need all this money to buy a fucking home. We just need land. We just need a spot. And look, we're not rich. We Some will, of us do have incomes. We're willing to pay a little bit. We will work it off. We'll work. But we ain't got a lot of money. We barely survive. But you know what? We survive. So, I've lived out of dumpster for the last 40 years. Isn't that amazing? Yep. And they say it's unfit for human habitation, right? Yeah. It's un Our way of life is unfit for human habitation. 40 years, 28 years, and we're stronger than ever. Except for the fact inside. where society has beat us down. I don't want to be inside no place. Our bodies hurt because of what society has done to us. But we're still here. And we're not worried about COVID-19 neither. Nope, I ain't taking that shot. But if one of you all were out here having problems, we'd be the first one to stop and help you. Guaranteed. Everybody else would just drive right by you. I fell, I, I wrecked my bike one time, I cracked my sternum. I hit a telephone pole head on, and I laid beside the road, half in the road and half out of the road for two hours before I could get up. I, I must have been 25 cars rode past me, look at me and keep right on going, didn't even slow the hardly, barely slowed down. Amazing, folks. That bird is on Fairview and Miracle Mile. You know what's sad? There's no compassion left to do. The Bible says that they're going to eliminate God. And that's what they've done because the Bible says that God is love. God is love between man and woman and man and man. That's, that's what it is. Man, love. man and woman. Well, it's loving one another. Yeah. That's God. Loving one another, period. We're supposed to love our neighbors if we love ourselves. And people have forgotten that. They've forgotten that. We have a brainwashed society that is dependent on the government to survive. Now they're mailing out stimulus checks every six months. I ain't got one of them checks yet. You know what's sad? I'm gonna take them. I take every one of them. I haven't got none of them. Because the way I see it, they're only paying back what they owe my dad. Yeah. If I knew how to do it, I'd do it. I can help you with this one. I can help you get the rest of them too. We'll call Jackson Hewitt later. I gotta charge my phone a bit, Wes, but we'll call Jackson Hewitt and we'll have him get your shit for you. Alright. Uh, I got some people that'll help you. I know some people. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and end this podcast. Alright. Because uh, uh, my battery's gonna die or whatever, and I really don't want my battery dead, dead, and I don't have a charger yet. Here. Oh, good, good, good.
But we're gonna go ahead and sign off today, folks. Y'all have a good day. Um, we'll be back tomorrow, late or maybe later on today. You never know. Later. Good evening, y'all. This is uh, Roy Sterling Trout on Homeless at Large, the only homeless podcast. Uh, uh, thank you for tuning in, listening to the show. We are brought to you by and sponsored by Anchor FM. Anchor FM is a totally free podcast station. Uh, they help you make your podcast, teach you how to do it right so you make money. They get your podcast out to different platforms. And it, the best part is it's all free. So download Anchor App today. Give it a shot. Thank you, Anchor FM, for your sponsorship. So um, I want to give this, take this time to um, do some... Uh, I guess you would call it relieving really own moments, I guess, or sharing some news. I've been um, kind of busy lately. Oh, probably I'm tired. Times have been rather um, tough. You know, I've had some people stealing from me, and it's pretty sad. Um, I don't understand it. Why would people come out and steal from somebody that's homeless already and suffering enough? I just don't get it, but it happens. It happens to the best. Um, you know, I've been through a lot in life, and uh, I've undergone a lot of ridicule, a lot of shame, and a lot of people have said a lot of mean things to me. So sometimes I seem rather harsh. And I'll be honest, I am pretty blunt and um, forward. But I have no regrets. I only speak about what I see. So, um, tonight we're going to have a special guest. Uh, her name is Gina. She's going to be telling her story here. So, tune in around 9 p.m. and uh, we'll have her story. Thank you for listening. And tune back in around 9 p.m. We'll have a show for you. This section is from the chapter titled Wearing the Hat of a Homeless Advocate. I found very muddy grass on the other side. Subtopic. A marketplace for the advocate I had become. Probably the most popular attraction in Portland was the Saturday market near the Burnside Bridge, and I had exhausted myself in witty experiments with the patrons and vendors. It was usually visited by thousands of people during the weekends and was the most likely place to coincidentally meet any person that may be browsing the displays of merchandise, watching the interesting antics of live street performers, artists, and musicians, and feasting on all sorts of delicious food. I had become a regular patron there since I first arrived in 2002, and it was my favorite weekend attraction. My friend TJ would often bring his dog Jewel to perform her unique style of impressing the crowds as well, which I had described in another chapter. My agenda for being there had gradually turned into a sort of campaign venue for soliciting my ideas and interacting with like-minded people. I made simple-looking flyers and pamphlets about the recent 10-year plan announced in 2004, basic statistical and demographic information about the local homeless people, and a list of upcoming homeless events should they wish to attend. I soon realized that most people were actually irritated by the overwhelming presence of other solicitors that were roaming the crowds as well. 
a swarm of people promoting their services, churches, and non-profit events, and scores of homeless people asking for spare change, dollar bills, and cigarettes, made most people anxious to leave, because that was definitely not the reason they came to the Saturday market in the first place. It truly was the mark of blind faith to carry on day by day, as if the invisible universe would simply introduce influential people to me. I only hoped I would coincidentally meet each person needed to organize and participate in activities that would inspire a much-needed positive public attitude about the mysterious lives of the homeless people. I now understand more about what I was doing wrong and why I failed at the time, but I definitely had such a measure of high hopes to accomplish it. I knew I would be admired by family and friends if I did succeed in becoming popularized and revered among the local newspapers as the gossip of the town, or it would give way for decades of public embarrassment if I did not. Even though I was merely telling stories and describing the unique challenges of being homeless day by day in the real world, I was secretly trying to convince anyone that would listen how seriously important it was to gain their participation. When I was alone at my camp out in the woods, I rehearsed and practiced every movement of my hands, how I expressed my voice tones, when to laugh and when to sit in silence. I sometimes used a mirror to memorize my face when I was serious or smiling, even with a raised eyebrow for the hint of conviction. But no matter how many hours I prepared myself for public speaking, storytelling, and pleading for the cause, I never managed to find the right words to captivate my listeners and persuade them with necessity. I was more than likely perceived as a fool by most people, yet silently admired for making such a daring attempts in the face of certain disapproval. I was secretly desperate in trying to convince my every audience because I surely did not wish to remove my hat as an advocate and return to the working world with my proverbial tail tucked between my legs, which realistically seemed inevitable. I developed a habit of writing late at night, with no source of light, and my words were awkwardly spread across the pages with an obvious heavy hand. After settling into a comfortable position and spending time in serious thinking, I would blow out every candle and sit quietly in the dark while writing. When I would read those scribbling notes later in daylight, several blank pages were deeply etched with my words. Perhaps it was because they were heavy words to write and I used a firm press to scribe them to the page. The notebook in my hands felt like a paper object but I could not see it in the total blackness of the serene hours of night, which was something I invented for absolute focus of attention to my thoughts instead of proper writing etiquette or artistic style. Some of those words were so rough and coarse in vocabulary I destroyed the pages immediately when reading them the next day, but some were the very beginnings of the finished work within this manuscript. I dared myself to be completely primitive in what I wrote in total darkness without biased feelings, prejudices, or any sort of grammar rules and formality. It was rather grueling at times to sit motionless and deeply ponder some of the obvious reasons why I could not seem to make progress, and delightfully amusing at times to think about the obvious reactions of people that believed I was a ranting lunatic. What is worthwhile to put into writing when experiencing a numb and blank mind if not the freak wonderment of what is causing it? At that time in my life, the limited pages of interesting journals were not for the shortage of time but for the absence of words to describe what I was feeling about this lame existence, to the rest of the civilized world. Although being homeless was not the determining factor in my feelings of grief and regret, 
but the underlying reasons causing it at the time. As a great example of how my eagerness to explore the wilderness and live outdoors as a homeless person had turned into restless nights of dreadful tossing and turning for the penetrating thoughts of regret and shame, my routine of hiking and camping became more of a daily drudgery of justifying my reasons for being out there in the form of self-arguments and private demoralization. For instance, my sugar container had become an attraction for ants but I was using it to sweeten my coffee anyway, and I was sarcastically mumbling about it along with a list of grudgingly similar problems in the wilderness. The lid was not very tight and the ants had found their way in, but for several days I grudgingly insisted to use that sugar regardless of the busy insects inside. It was not an act of desperation as it may be presumed, it was an act of defiance between me and God himself. As I have tried to elaborate in other parts of this book, this so-called adventure was precisely that. I recall saying out loud while sitting in total darkness, as if God would hear me, so what? Now I really know what it's like to be homeless and desperate just like the others. I seriously do hope you can make something good to come out of all this. I knew people did enjoy reading a traveler's adventures for being inspired to explore and experience similar adventures, and storybook misfortunes for the thrill of celebrating a dramatically good ending. Either reason for the unmistakable fancy people seem to have for reading books, it is mostly born from the fact that they are sitting comfortably in a safe place and the stories are harmless from the written page. When I would express my witty speeches about the recent plan to end chronic homelessness and proclaim that I wanted to write a book about it, the conversation usually ended with a friendly gesture of wishing me good luck as a salutation. Fear of the unknown was somewhat paralyzing by asking them to go beyond their daily agendas and attend various events for the homeless. I soon realized, it was not because people had no concern, as it is commonly presumed, but it is just not relevant to the lifestyle of most common people and they were simply not interested. One evening while writing, I had a particular vision which described how it felt trying to publicly interact about the National Crusade to end chronic homelessness at that time. The sounds of the inner city were always quite loud from scores of large public bus engines, thousands of cars and delivery trucks, electric city trains and a distant freight train on tracks, police sirens, and all of the combined public chatter of hundreds of voices and screaming laughter from children playing all around. I frequented the Saturday market because it was a thriving weekend event of merchandise vendors, street performing artists, and the irresistible smells of cooking food. I often wondered, if I were a public performer like some of the others, what would I be doing at the market? An entertainer? An advocate? Or just a fool? From my campsite nestled in the woods, I was often remembering people's typical reactions to our conversations about homelessness, especially the poised politicians and lawmakers at City Hall. I was easily reminded of the reality of where I lived at the time while sitting on the ground that night, leaned against a tree with a single candle placed just high enough to see the lines on my notebook paper. I imagined that I was at the Saturday market, sitting comfortably in a tiny glass booth as a life-sized puppet made for public entertainment. I imagined that I was created by an outlandish craftsman that had a fancy for moving puppets and lively storytelling. My puppet leaned to a crumpled fist under his chin in the proverbial thinking position with a slight grin on his face. My painted booth was in a long row with many others, 
and each disguised for performances of stunts and storytelling. By the way, there were no such machines at the Saturday market, this was something I invented as a way to amuse myself with the monotony of dealing with the public. From inside looking out, the brown dust of the ground was pasted on the other side of the glass, artistically streaked by the hands and faces of curious children, following their parents and delightfully begging for coins to see the displays. When someone put coins into my machine, the lights and monotone music came on, I sat up to announce my welcome greetings, and began to tell my stories. I will never forget my little world, inside the imaginary booth, and how simple and possible it was to believe in the fantasy I was describing about joining our cities in a crusade for homelessness. Sometimes I tried more creative ways of getting people's attention and keeping their interest over the loud muffled sounds of the market like moving my hands, tipping my hat, laughing at my own vain attempts at being funny, and talking about the tempting smells of cotton candy and cooking food. I imagined a large movie screen behind me playing an exciting film about people talking with the homeless, laughing, socializing and working together, with interesting information of statistics being displayed. In the imaginary realm of this marketplace, people would linger long enough to understand the main ideas, then predictably begin touching the buttons near the coin tray so I would change the subject or skip the topics they did not want to hear. Then they would impulsively walk away to browse some of the other glass booths to listen to other puppets express their witty storytelling adventures. I imagined that the children stood defiantly as long as they could while their parents were taunting them to come see the clowns or the cowboys farther away from me, that homeless guy. The children were usually jolting with energy when they first appeared in front of me, but then stood motionless with their little mouth slightly open as if they were utterly amazed to learn about the alien world of the homeless people. I imagined the parents and adults standing with a lean to one foot, just like they usually did in real life, staring at me or watching the screen with absolute skepticism, reluctantly waiting in a drab pose with two fingers pasted to their cheek. On rare occasions from inside the echoing walls of my imaginary booth, I would be allowed to cheerfully speak without interruption because they had enough interest to keep feeding coins and listen to each topic. I imagined in such a case how freely and honestly I could embellish each homeless scenario in order to educate the listener and send them away with a feeling of genuine charity and patriotism. From inside my booth it did not matter if they gazed back at me with wonderment in their eyes or if they pounded the glass indignantly with disagreement, because I knew they could never harm me as a lifeless puppet, my job was only telling them stories. At the end of each performance, the narration and lights would turn off and the monotone music would stop in perfect timing with my last words, and I would again resume that poised thinking position while staring at the wooden floor. I remember just sitting for a while and thinking deeply about the absurd fantasy of this whole scenario. Not only my little story about the puppet in the booth, but almost hideous reality of what I was doing living out in the wilderness in comparison to the high-rise apartment building on Park Avenue just a few months before. At first, I disregarded this whole imaginary scenario as it was mostly silly to think of it in this way. My real-world experience was using a ground-dug latrine and carrying gallon jugs of water all the way up to this mountainside campsite. Compared to how I was living as a maintenance technician working on other people's sinks, toilets, and dishwashers, 
and the luxuries of carpeted floors, electric lights, and microwave ovens in every person's apartment home was now the memory fueling my disgrace. I had invented something comical that I could dwell upon each night while falling asleep, my little homeless advocate puppet in my little glass booth. It was a quaint and dramatic little story about something that made me laugh, instead of growling with my own voice tones trying to figure out what in the world I was really trying to prove out there in the woods. Even at the expense of bitter rejections from my own children, I was nearly desperate for any form of relief when trying to sleep. In my mind by that time, I had reluctantly become accustomed to a mild form of private insanity and simply decided to accept myself just the way I am. But it did not suit the ever-present truth that most ordinary people utterly rejected me. This is the end of this subtopic. Subtopic When we live in relative obscurity. In contrast of the imaginary puppet, it was very intimidating to engage people face to face in the real world with such hopes of gaining their trust and interest in the problems of large-scale poverty and homelessness, never knowing moment by moment what to expect. One person will wait respectfully to offer their undivided attention then depart with only kind words, and the very next person will arrogantly stand with a defiant pointing finger and unleash all of their negative viewpoints with a sudden scowl on their face about those homeless people. The intolerance and verbalized outrage of those who believed it was their personal duty to scold me with rude and uncensored views made it extremely difficult to simply bring my chin up and walk away with my own private dignity intact. I was not taking random opinion polls or trying to provoke public anger, I was a homeless advocate searching for genuine public compassion. In order to clarify the context of this term obscurity it is intended to imply that something is not clear, or difficult to understand in relevance to practical meaning. Relative obscurity most likely relates with common misunderstandings we may have in comparison to certain assumptions formed by what we tend to observe. Living in relative obscurity then is intended to imply how common it is to carry an assumption about something we may observe, which may be based upon incomplete or missing information, and yet we tend to believe these assumptions are true without the effort in verifying them. Probably the most memorable example of a spontaneous confrontation that happened to me in public was right after a newspaper article had been published about my campaign in Portland. I had acquired a collection of these newspapers with my printed article and was placing it in strategic locations for the homeless people of Portland to have a chance to read it. They could nearly always be found lingering in the grassy shaded areas of what we commonly refer to as the park blocks which was named accordingly. This location was comprised of several city blocks of elaborate landscaping and public works of art along Park Avenue, right in the heart of downtown. I frequently gave them away to people in such park areas near the Willamette River, inside the shopping malls, and public sitting benches around town. I had noticed a particular laminated signpost near a popular artistic statue, and the plastic covering of the inscription was so badly faded by whether it could no longer be read. I knew the paper article would not last long in the outdoor elements but I used clear tape to secure it to the plastic face of the sign. As soon as I finished with my project of folding and taping it neatly in place, I turned and began to walk away as if to continue a slow stroll along the walking path. This was the only public display I created in this way, I usually separated the single page of my article and handed it directly to people or left them lying about on tables where the homeless were socializing or receiving services. 
I knew scattered papers would be littering the parks of Portland if I gave away the whole newspaper instead. By coincidence, a young man was leading a group of about 20 teenagers that were obviously taking a tour of the sites along Park Avenue, and they were chattering and giggling among themselves as they strolled along the path. The man had noticed me taping the newspaper to the signpost, which was nearly 15 feet away from the main path and rarely an object of interest by any means, and he walked straight toward the sign mumbling out loud about the so-called nuisance of homeless people in Portland. I barely acknowledged what he was doing until I heard the distinctive sounds of ripping paper from the location of that signpost. I turned immediately to walk around the group to see what he was doing. In a display of obvious arrogance, he was shredding the newspaper and tossing it on the ground with both hands. I asked him with great disbelief in my voice, why in the world did you walk all the way over there just to tear it down? He said with a slight growl in his voice, hey I'm just trying to read the sign so I can learn about this statue right here. I asked, well, maybe you can just read it to the group. Knowing it was not really legible, I waited for his response. He crossed his arms and stood on one foot with his finger touching his chin, as if he was giving his full attention to reading the sign. I made it a point to observe the group of youngsters as they were chatting among each other and making gestures that he was obviously just trying to make a scene as a form of mockery. Important note, I knew instinctively that he was not really attacking me personally, but I felt I had no choice but to meet the challenge of his arrogance. Like most average people, he was obviously irritated by the common nuisance of what appears to be homeless people loitering and standing around in public places. These public parks are well-maintained and beautifully decorated with flowers, bushes, and neatly trimmed trees. So many of the homeless seem to defiantly leave behind their discarded trash, food containers, and cups, and even human waste for all to see. Most respectable people are offended by such crude and unsightly rubbish in areas intended for beauty and artistic appreciation whether homeless or not. Let alone the constant and daring attempts of beggars wanting pocket change, dollar bills, and cigarettes from every person walking by, and sometimes using extremely foul language all the while. I waited for a long moment to contemplate my response, although I just wanted to simply walk away because I never really did tolerate or participate in public displays of arrogant mistreatment by someone, merely as a quality of my own personal dignity. For some reason this young man captivated my interest in a certain way because he was so motivated to act indignantly right in front of the entire group of young people for no apparent reason. He studied the weathered cover of the plastic sign for quite a while then he turned away and returned to the front of the group once again. I was turning away to continue my stroll in hopes that we would simply go our separate ways by then. I was passing by them with a forced slight grin and pleasant face on display, just to leave them with that impression of me. I suddenly felt a shower of coins dropping on me from above, bouncing off the rim of my hat and pecking me in the back of the neck, which was an instant and unmistakable clue that he had thrown a fistful of money on top of me from several feet away, just over the heads of the teenagers standing in the group. In that same moment, I heard him speak out with a self-righteous sort of attitude, here you go. Take some money so you don't have to stand around and beg for the rest of the day. As an instant reaction, I spoke out loud and turned toward him saying, All right then. If you absolutely have to act like a jerk in front of everybody standing here, 
then go ahead and do it to my face instead of behind my back like that. He had such a big smile I could see most of his teeth, and his stomach was jolting while he laughed. I walked closer to him and held out the small stack of newspapers in my hands and said well first of all, I've never begged for money, or even asked politely for a handout, not from anyone. But otherwise, I have no choice but to tell you how ridiculous this whole thing is, and I know by the look on their faces that they aren't impressed by you, not even a little bit. I seriously hope you are having plenty of fun right now. He waved his hands in front of me and crunched his face into a sarcastic frown as he turned away and started walking. The group slowly began to follow him but no one was chattering and enjoying the tour as they were just moments before. I spoke out loud to them as they passed by, and said I hope every one of you will remember this guy as long as you live, and please do us all a favor, don't be like him when you are out on your own. It was slightly comical and quite a bit soothing to my injured ego as I witnessed their facial gestures of sympathy and whispering comments of apology toward me as they walked away. Don't worry he's just like that one replied. Someone in the group said politely, hey I like your hat. Just think about that logo on there, dignity matters, right? You didn't do anything wrong sir, it isn't about you. I continued walking and I must have been staring at the sidewalk under the rim of my hat, deeply thinking about what just took place, because a friend of mine stood directly in front of me and said nothing until I almost stepped on top of his feet. Hey what's up Wayne? Something's got you all tore up, are you okay dude? I couldn't help but join him in a moment of curious laughing because I knew he was right. Well, Let's just say I can't seem to figure out why so many people act like they just hate the homeless, even though they obviously don't know anything about them as people. I just met one that pretty much ruined my day. He had a genius response right then by asking, well man, do you think he's gonna sit around depressed because he ruined your day? He stepped around me and kept walking while he looked over his shoulder at me. It's just my two cents worth Wayne, take it or leave it my friend. In that moment I stood still and just took a good long look at my surroundings. I knew what he meant and he was right about it, so I decided to march right back to that faded sign. I picked up the paper trash and replaced the news article as a means to restore my own dignity. It was a bit soothing after they were gone because my whole body felt flexed like a statue right where I stood. I sincerely hope that someone from that group of young people discovers this book and remembers that day as it happened in their presence. Park Avenue has numerous statues and interesting artistic renditions for public appreciation, and I would surely be amused to find a miniature statue scene made in commemoration of what happened that day. A striking pose of action made in bronze of a short angry man shredding my newspaper with both hands, while I stand nearby watching in disbelief and a group of stylish teenagers that seem utterly embarrassed on his behalf. The more I have entertained the idea of such a thing since then, I just give it away to mere fantasy in the end, because where in the world are great statues made for the angry critics like that man? I have since learned that each private victory or moment of achievement can be remembered as a source of positive motivation during the inevitable future moments we will experience in despair. If we forget to deliberately recall those precious moments when we did something right, we become buried helplessly under the burdens of what we have done wrong. No matter how bad a situation is, 
and regardless of who or what is responsible for causing it to happen, we will either cope with it and maintain our dignity, or simply fail to do so and carry those regrets lifelong. This is the end of this section.